had to focus on who was the person I wanted to become instead. So move from an anxious person to a person who is happy and fulfilled, who has so much love and abundance. Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. You're about to hear from Kate Vasquez. Today, we're going to talk about the stress response and three core pillars to calm your nervous system. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. Today, my guest is Kate Vasquez, who is a functional medicine physician assistant, theta healing practitioner, and the founder of Radiant Health. Using a functional medicine and mindset approach, she helps ambitious women overcome stress and anxiety to embrace who they truly are, feel alive in their body, and live a life they love on purpose. Welcome to the show, Kate. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just so honored and blessed to be here today. Well, tell us your story. Tell us how you became so passionate about helping women overcome stress. Oh, yeah. Well, I once suffered or was experiencing a chronic state of survival for over 20 years. And that's why I was experiencing stress and anxiety on a daily basis. But of course, I didn't know that at the time. You know, we only know what we know. And it was really impacting me on a daily basis to the point I would wake up in the morning and my heart would start beating really fast. My muscles would start tightening up and get really tense. And then my mind was flooding with all these thoughts, all the thoughts from the previous days. And then all the thoughts of the things that I have to do right there in the moment to get ready for the day and all the thoughts that I have to do, you know, in the next upcoming days. So my mind was constantly racing all the time. So I was in that survival mode or fight or flight as we call it, you know, ready to just like, uh, take on the day, but it wasn't healthy. It definitely wasn't healthy to be in that state. And it got to a point where it was affecting my health. In fact, when I was a child, I had migraines. And of course, I'd go to the doctors and they're like, oh, just make sure she eats more, you know, snacks during the day because they thought I had low glucose or something. And uh, then as I got older and went through college and became a PA, the migraines got to a point I was having like eight or nine a month. And I would see a lot of different doctors. I went to the primary and the eye doctor and dentist and neurologist, and they all came to the same conclusion. It's just stress. But no one really had a good solution for it. You know, they would prescribe me different pills. So I took medications for the migraines. I even took Prozac in PA school just to help with the anxiety. I got a mouth guard because my jaw was so tight and tense from stress. Sure, sure. <laughs> and even the neurologist said, well, why don't you just walk around with your mouth slightly open? True story. And I was like looking at him like he's crazy. I'm like, and this is supposed to fix the migraines? <laughs> yeah. So I heard it all from a lot of different practitioners. But no one at the time, they said, yes, it's due to stress. But no one really asked me like, how was I feeling? You know, how was I coping or adapting to stress and giving me tools to actually navigate it? You know, they just wanted to give me all these temporary solutions, which obviously didn't fix the stress, didn't really fix the migraines. It just made me feel better in the moment. And the Prozac just numbed all my emotions. Yeah, it was really impacting my health. I even had gut issues like constipation, bloating, and gas. And I was even on birth control since I was a teenager for acne. So I had a lot of health issues, but I wasn't able to piece it all together. Not only was the stress and anxiety affecting my health, 
it was affecting my fulfillment as a PA because I got into, you know, I became a PA to help people. But a few years in, I realized I wasn't really helping people. And even though I was giving people a quick fix because I was working in urgent care, and people kept coming back again and again, wondering why are they not feeling better? And it was like frustrating at the time because I'm like, I really wanted to help them. And not only was it affecting my career and fulfillment, but it was also affecting my marriage to the point my husband was coaching me all the time. So the first couple of years, you know, when you get married, it's challenging. You have to, you know, not think about yourself anymore. You have to think about the other person and learn how to communicate. But being a type A perfectionist and go-getter, and I just didn't know how to express how I felt. I would bottle up all my emotions. And if he would say something, I would get triggered and either like end up in an arc, I would get defensive and end up in an argument, or I would end up just in a mental breakdown, start crying. (laughs) And that's how I would just release everything. And so it was just getting, you know, just compounding on itself over and over the years, the first couple years of my marriage, because I couldn't control how I felt and the emotions my husband was coaching me because he cared so much about me. But it got to a point he became my coach, not my husband. And I remember this day very, very clearly when we were sitting on his old, ugly, leather-bound couch, because that's what we had at the time. (laughs) And I looked at his eyes and I can remember just seeing the pain and the sadness and unhappiness. And he said, I don't know how much longer I can keep doing this. And when he said that, and he also was contemplating a divorce, I just, my heart broke into a thousand pieces because he was my soulmate. And I wanted to be with like, he was the love of my life. I knew we could have an incredible marriage, but I couldn't see that at the time. All I could think about was like, wow, like what's wrong with me? Why can't I make him happy? Like I'm not good enough. And um, even though it was a very difficult conversation we had, I am so grateful for that moment because that moment was like the turning point. And it woke me up to realize I need to do something about it because the anxiety I was experiencing on a, a pretty constant basis yeah, it was affecting my health. It was affecting my marriage and affecting my like fulfillment in life. And so from there, thankfully, he sent me off to Tony Robbins because I didn't want to go, but he sent me off to Tony Robbins, Unleash the Power Within. And I learned and the about, rest like, is like, history. No, just kidding. Was, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really started this journey of like mindset development and personal development. And then I jumped into functional medicine because I wanted to heal my body holistically, you know, because unfortunately, Western medicine wasn't helping. And helping me to understand what was happening in my body. So yeah, I jumped into functional medicine, started healing myself, getting rid of the gut symptoms, lowering cortisol because I had high cortisol because when you're in that you're uh, in that survival state, you're producing a lot of cortisol. And then eventually coming off birth control, my hormones went crazy. So I learned how to balance those naturally. And I ended up writing a book called Estrogen is a Bitch to, to talk about that experience and help women understand that. But through it all, even though I felt so much better and thankfully saved my marriage, I still had stress and anxiety. And because I realized it was still a missing piece. That's been my journey, just really uncovering like what is happening in my body and understanding that I was in a chronic sympathetic state. And yes, you can make changes when you're in that state and temporarily feel better. But it's until we move out of that state, we're not able to get complete healing. So let me ask you, why do you think you were in that state? And maybe that's a whole nother long story, or maybe you don't want to go into that. Yeah, I was able to discover the reason I was in that state was because I was operating as an identity of a stressed and anxious person, you know, type A perfectionist based off the limiting beliefs I 
developed from childhood, which created the conditioning to cause me to respond or actually not respond, but to react to different things in my life. And I was constantly seeking, you know, validation from others to make me feel like I was good enough because the main belief that I had was I'm not good enough. And that was running in the background of my mind for over 20 years. And so, of course, when we have this belief, we're constantly striving, seeking achievements so we can feel like we're good enough, you know, needing approval validation from others to feel like we're good enough. Everything we're doing is just so we can feel like we're good enough, but it causes so much stress, so much anxiety. And your body pushes back. And in fact, I see anxiety now as like, it's a symptom that you're in a survival response. And it's a coping mechanism because when we're under chronic stress, our body is going to respond in a physical and emotional way. And the emotions I was experiencing was like overwhelm, fear, doubt, worry, you know, fear of failure, fear fear of making mistakes. Because again, I, if I made a mistake, I wasn't good enough. And then feeling it physically in my body, which was causing digestive symptoms. And then the muscle pain, the tightness in my neck, upper back and shoulder, which was triggering the migraines. It was just like an eye-opening experience for sure. I'm so happy you found, well, Tony Robbins, but also functional medicine. So so let's go into the different levels of stress for the listeners. I'm sure many women listening are thinking, oh my gosh, that's me. I can resonate with her story. So what is the difference between acute, chronic and kind of low-grade stress? So acute stress happens like, for example, if you're driving down the road and someone cuts you off, you're like, you go into acute stress because now you're like, you're in that acute fight or flight. You got to protect yourself to prevent from getting in an accident. And of course, I mean, especially in South Florida, where I live, that's happening a lot. (laughs) And that was happening for me on the way to work. I was instantly going into acute stress every single day on my drive to work. And that's an acute stress response when you, yeah, something immediately happens. It's an acute threat. And it sends signals. Um, we have thoughts and it sends signals in our brain to different parts of our body. So it's going to slow down signals to our digestive tract or reproductive organs, but it's going to also increase signals to our muscles and our adre- fire up our adrenals. So that's an acute stress. And acute stress is not bad. We need it, you know, to protect ourselves. So example, if you're hiking in the mountains and all of a sudden you see a bear Now you got to figure out, okay, am I going to stand here and fight this bear or I'm going to run away? We need that response to protect ourselves. And, you know, if you think about our ancestors, it was built in to fight, you know, enemies that were attacking and the lions and bears that were attacking them. So we need that built in survival mechanism to protect us from an actual threat. But the problem is that in our modern day, in today's society, everything's a perceived threat. (laughs) And so now we go from acute stress to chronic stress, where everything is affecting us, whether we realize it or not. And the low-grade chronic stress are those low-grade chronic stressors that we're not aware of. You know, we can be aware of like more of the chronic stressors like, okay, am I going to lose my job and I have to pay my bills and stuff like that. But then there's those low-grade chronic stressors, which are the stressors we put on ourselves the thoughts we have in our head. And that actually creates a lot of stress in our body. Because we, when we think of stress, you know, there's different types of stress. There's the physical stress. So obviously, when you're exercising, that creates stress in your body, or if you have an injury or go through surgery, then we have the mental emotional stress, but we kind of like brush it off. You know, we don't really dive deep into like, why? Why do we have the certain thoughts? And why are we thinking and responding in a certain way? But then there's also the chemicals 
you know, stressors and that we're exposed to chemical and environmental stressors. So, you know, all the toxins in our environment and sometimes we get infections like COVID, for example, was a infectious stressor that sent a lot of people into a survival response and actually worked with a lot of clients post-COVID and recognizing, whoa, their adrenals were, went into overdrive because it just really ramped up their nervous system. So yeah, we get um, different infections, even Lyme and mold can send people into a, a chronic stress response. So there's different things in our environment, things that we can control and then things we can't control and that will create this chronic stress or yeah, we have these little low-grade stressors throughout our life. So those are the different types of stress that people can experience. And they all add up. They all add up. Exactly. So what are different responses to stress? So what I realized is that we all respond to stress in different ways. Granted, you know, there's four different types of stress responses. There's the fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. Because we know like when you go into that sympathetic state, you're in fight or flight, but you can also freeze. Most people go into one of those responses as their primary response. Like for me, for example, as soon as like something like triggers me or something happens, I immediately go into fight. And I didn't recognize that. But once I learned... I think I'm the same. I think we have that in common. (laughs) Yeah. Because I get very defensive. Like I want to prove that I'm right, you're wrong. Me too. And so that's the fight (laughs) response. Yeah. It's so funny because now that I'm aware of it, I see it so commonly, especially my sisters and my parents. And I'm like, Oh, my mom would go into fight, you know, when she was under stress, my sister's going. So I almost feel like some of this is like a conditioned pattern that we've learned. Sure. sure. But it's also very primal too. So we go into, yeah, defensiveness. Flight is when we kind of like run away. We want to numb because we don't know how to process and feel what we're feeling in the moment. So we'll run away and find something to distract us or to numb our emotions. And that's where people will resort to like alcohol, for example, or shopping online or working. Like my dad, for example, when he was under stress, he would run away to work. And that's how he would deal with his emotion. He, he wanted to remove himself, you know, from the stressor, my mom, and then he would run away to work. So he could flight, cool flight. there's yeah, the flight. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then there's freeze where people just get paralyzed and they just, they don't even know how to react or respond or what to say. They just completely shut down. That's the freeze response. And then the fourth one is fawn, where it's people pleasing. So for me, I would go immediately into fight. But then if the stressor continued, I uh, would go into people pleasing. And that's that type A perfectionist, you know, uh, personality trait. You want to like make everybody happy. So it's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to say that. What can I do to make this right? You know, you start going into people pleasing and that's a stress response instead of like recognizing, okay, yeah, I don't necessarily have to make them happy. You can still apologize. And like, I didn't mean to say that because I was in a stress response. (laughs) But uh, but yeah, identifying the stress response was very, very powerful because once you're aware of that, if you say, example, get triggered, you can do something to prevent you going into that response. So what I do now is if my husband says something that triggers me before I start to go into fight, I will tell him, hold on, I need to go process this. Which has been a game changer because before I would get very defensive. We would get an argument or I, yeah, end up in a mental breakdown. But now I'm like, let me go process this. And he's really good about giving me that space. I will go into a room. I will sit and meditate and just think about what just happened. And then I come to him and say, hey, what you said, I understand you're saying it from a place of love, but I got triggered. And this is why with my limiting belief and 
I go through that whole process and now we can actually have a calm conversation about it instead of getting into an argument, which is better for the body because now my body's not in that survival mode. I'm able to calm it down back into a parasympathetic, which is that rest, relax, you know, flow state is what I call it. And it's such a game changer to be able to do that. Thank you for bringing that up because I think many of the listeners are probably thinking, okay, yep, I fight or I flight or I freeze or whatnot, or people please, that kind of rhymes. Uh, of course, my question as you're saying all this is, okay, so how do we not do that? But it sounds like you're saying part of the, you know, kind of healing process here, getting you out of the state of chronic stress is just recognizing, just being aware and pausing. Okay, I'm not going to fight. I'm not going <laughs> to run away because <laughs> it is, I think it's still good to I don't want to say deal with a stressor, but right, have the conversation with your husband or, you know, whatnot, but to stop first and kind of recognize where you're at before you throw the punch. Yeah, exactly. Because I realized I would say things to him that I would never, ever say in a normal conversation when I wasn't in a stress response. And it's so interesting because I would always hear my parents throw around the D word, divorce, you know, whenever they would get into an argument and fight. And I found myself thinking the same thing and saying, well, yeah, maybe we, even though I realized like divorce is not an option. Like I truly believe like we can figure this out if we can just, yeah, take that time to pause for a moment, process what's happened, calm ourselves down and then have a conversation about it. Because what we're thinking is probably not what the other person's thinking. We are always telling stories about what happened. And when we actually have that conversation, we realize like, oh, the story we created in our head was not true. <laughs> so if we can do that. It, it makes a game changer. So yeah, you're absolutely it's just having that awareness, pausing and doing something like for me, taking some deep breaths, meditation to calm me down in the moment. And then I can think so much clearer and then I can respond and say things that I actually would mean instead of things that I wouldn't, you know, I can change the outcome of any situation. I think I once read a book, this was years ago, pertinent to the conversation, but I'm pretty sure it was called Triggers that helped you kind of identify what your triggers are. I'll have to go back and look at that and post a link in the show notes. But let's talk about the nervous system and the gut and our hormones and kind of what that connection is. You kind of alluded to that earlier. So let's dive into that. Yes, absolutely. That was such a great question. Because yeah, in functional medicine, you know, we, we learn how all the systems are integrated and they're all affecting each other. So when I dove into functional medicine, you know, I started focusing on my gut, working on healing that. And then I realized I had high cortisol levels. So I was working on my adrenals. And then when I came off of birth control, my hormones went crazy. And so I was balancing that because I knew like everything's affecting each other. And I love functional medicine. It's been such a game changer just to heal and help my body to come back into balance with all these different systems. But then I realized like there was still something missing in my health, like even though I got rid of the constipation, the bloating, the gas, um, which was so bad, you know, I was bloated every single day to the point like it was uncomfortable. I, I felt uncomfortable in what I was wearing. And it was not a fun experience. But also coming off the birth control, I had a lot of hormonal imbalances, which I never had, like I went on birth control for acne, not for period problems. And then coming off, I had irregular cycles and breast tenderness and really bad cramps. And then I was gaining weight too. And I was like, what is going on? When I learned what was happening with my hormones, I was able to naturally balance them. And I talk about that whole process in the book and how I did that. But I still had the anxiety and migraines. So I'm like, okay, I'm like, what's missing? What am I not doing to help my body completely heal? Because for me, I'm like, I want to feel my best. 
I don't want to, yeah, still have the migraines. For those, if you've ever had a migraine, it's debilitating. It's terrible. It feels like an ice pick that's just pounding into your head and you're so sensitive to light and smell and everything. It just, it literally takes you out. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. You know, with functional medicine, I was able to reduce the frequency and intensity to like one to three a month. But of course, me, I'm like, okay, how can I get rid of this completely? You know, what's the missing piece? And that's when I realized the nervous system is still uh, playing a role because we can test the gut, we can test the adrenals, we can test the hormones, but we can't really test the nervous system. We can't determine are we in a sympathetic or parasympathetic state, but our body's the best test. We don't really need a test to tell us because if we listen to our body, and that's my goal when I work with clients is to calm inflammation, calm down. Yeah. The, you know, if if it's high cortisol, calm that down, calm down the gut symptoms, help the support the hormones. We can be more in tune and listen to our bodies and recognize, okay, if we're in that sympathetic state, yeah, our heart rate is going to be faster. We're going to have tighter, tense muscles. Some people will have headaches. Some people feel lightheaded, dizziness, nausea, you know, so we can be more in tune. Oh, another client I had, she's like, oh, I feel tightness in my throat when she feels like she's under stress. So start being aware because I know like for me, when I am starting to go into survival or turning on my sympathetic nervous system, my first symptom is the tightness in my muscles. So I know, oh, okay, I'm starting to get stressed. I need to do something to to move myself out because if I don't and it continues, then it will trigger the migraine. In a parasympathetic state, you know, it's the opposite. All our muscles are soft and relaxed. Our heart rate's slower. Our breathing is slower. Digestion is optimal so we can break down our food, absorb all the nutrients. Our hormones are more balanced. So if we can learn to recognize like the signs and the symptoms, we can know whether we're in a survival or flow state and not just physically, but emotionally too. So if you're experiencing and feeling stressed and anxious and overwhelmed, even frustrated, worried, fearful, angry, you're in a survival state. But if you're feeling happiness and joy and love and gratitude and abundance, you're in a flow state. So if we can tune into our emotions and how we're feeling, that's our best test. And that's what I've discovered on this journey is like, okay, I truly believe like Hippocrates once said, all disease starts in the gut, which is incredible, you know, that he had that insight about 2000 years ago. And we have a lot of studies and research to back up how important the gut is. But I truly believe it all starts in the nervous system because it's our brain that's sending signals, turning on our sympathetic or parasympathetic nervous system. We're constantly switching back and forth without us even thinking about it. And if we can really under, truly understand the power of our nervous system and recognize, are we in a constantly in a survival state, which I was, I was like 24 seven in a survival state. And even though I would do different things like yoga, meditation, it would calm me down temporarily. But as soon as I would stop it and go back into like whatever I was doing for the day, I was back into that survival state. So I had to figure out, okay, how can I maintain a flow state? And that's where that mindset piece, it comes into play you know, identifying our beliefs, um, the stress response, the conditioning, but most importantly, learning how to recondition your mind and your body. But, mm. um, but yeah, <laughs> so that, that is the next piece. <laughs> well, that kind of leads me into the next question. I think this is where you're going. I was going to ask about the three core pillars you created to calm the nervous system. So maybe that's kind of what you're alluding to. Let's go there. So if we can recognize we're in a survival state, 
yes, I highly recommend doing yoga, meditation, deep breathing, all those therapies, because that's what I used at the time to help calm my adrenals and calm my body. But in order to dive deeper, in order to maintain that sympathetic or excuse me, parasympathetic state, flow state, we need to identify what's happening in our subconscious mind. Because in our mind, 5% is our conscious awareness. But 95% is our subconscious mind. And that's where these automatic programming are happening. And that's what I discovered. I was like, oh my goodness, I conditioned my body to be in this state for the last like 20, 30 years of my life. (laughs) So now I need to work on unconditioning, you know, or recondition the body to get out of that state of survival. So I can be in a slow state most of the day and only transition or go into survival when I actually need it. Need to. And yeah. So those three pillars, what I discovered, yeah, first we need to identify what are those limiting beliefs and thoughts that we have? Because our thoughts is what turns on our sympathetic or parasympathetic nervous system because the thoughts start in our brain, which then sends signals out um, and it releases chemicals and hormones and peptides. And that's what affects our different organs. So that's why I truly believe it all starts in our nervous system because then it affects our gut, affects our hormones, affects our adrenals, depending what state we're in. So we got to identify those thoughts and beliefs. But not only that, the second pillar is identifying what's triggering us because Peter Crone once said, and he's an amazing mentor that I really dove into and learned a lot from, but he once said, people and or life will present you with people and circumstances to reveal where you're not free. And when he said that, I was like, Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> that is like the true definition of a trigger. So can we identify like triggers, not necessarily a bad thing, but it's an opportunity to show you where you're not free because whatever the person says, it's their thing. Like they have their own beliefs and patterns and conditioning that they're dealing with and not to take it personally to recognize, okay, they're responding, and reacting because of whatever belief they have. And I'm responding and reacting because of whatever belief I have. And so that was so powerful for me to recognize. So so I started, yeah, exploring that, getting curious. Okay, when I got triggered, I'm like, why? Like, what belief is this activating? (laughs) And that was a game changer for me. And then the third pillar was to also recognize the conditioning. Because once we identify the beliefs and the triggers, we also have to identify the conditioning. Like, where is this coming from? Like, what happened long time ago? that created this experience, this memory. And so whenever we hear something, you know, that triggers us, it causes us to think certain things, feel a certain way, which then causes us to react and respond in a certain way. And we are constantly in this conditioning, which I developed with anxiety, you know, for over 20 years, when anything would happened in my life that was out of my control, or I had fear, I was constantly anxious. And so once I identified those pieces, those three core pillars, everything finally made sense. I'm like, well, that's why I'm in a stress response. And so the key from there is to, once you identify those pieces, is start to recondition the body and the mind. So that's like a whole nother level. First, we got to have this awareness piece first to understand like what's happening in our body. And it all sounds just hunky-dory, right? Great and and easy, but it's totally not easy. So I'm wondering, like, how did you figure this out? Like, were you in therapy or did you legitimately just figure it out yourself? Like, I'm being triggered. Step back. Yeah, that is a great question. I actually didn't go to therapy. 
I just dove into learning from different mentors in the mindset, personal development space, and just taking in little bits from here and there. And I just finally put it all together. And I was like, Oh, this is what I mean, it took me five years to figure that out. But once I figured that out, I'm like, okay, this is what's happening. And it was a game changer. And not only that, in order to shift our state, I had to focus on who was the person I wanted to become instead. So move from an anxious person to a person who is happy and fulfilled, who has so much love and abundance. So that is the next step in helping you to move out of that survival state. Like focus on who do you want to become? That's good. Yeah. And bring in like you have to like visualize and feel it and bring in all your senses in order to do that. Because the subconscious mind responds to our senses. That's why we have memories based off our past conditioning because of something we heard, something we felt, something we smelled. You know, like if you listen to a song, it brings you back to memory. Like, for example, like I hear Green Day's song, I forgot the name of it in the moment, but it always takes me back to graduation, you know, (laughs) in high school, because I link that song to that memory, you know, or if I like smell like cookies, it brings you back to that memory of like grandma's cookies when you were younger, when she would bake them for you. That's why we have to bring in our five senses because our body doesn't, you know, when we're in that state of anxiety, we don't know what yeah, happiness, love and fulfillment may feel like, but we can bring in moments of time where we did feel happiness and feel love and gratitude and start connecting that to recondition our mind and our body. And that's how we move out of that survival state. Will you list those three pillars all just together consecutive real quick again for the listeners? Yes, absolutely. So the first one is identifying those limiting beliefs. The second one is learning about your triggers and stress response. And then the third is the conditioning because the conditioning is where it's at. That's what's keeping you stuck in that survival state. So if you don't identify the conditioning, you don't know, you won't be able to change it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't change it. Awesome. That's all so good. I want to go back to your book here for a second. You wrote the book, you mentioned estrogen is a bitch. So can you, I know it's hard. People ask me this in podcasts, like sum up my book. And it's like, how can you sum that up in a few minutes? <laughs> so I know it's kind of an unfair question to ask you, but can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Can we go back there? And like, yeah. can you tell us what was causing your bloating and you know, what maybe you, what foods you maybe eliminated, whatnot, just the short version of what you kind of discovered to kind of get you back on track. Yeah. So at the time um, when I discovered functional medicine, I worked on my gut first and I actually did a test called Viome, V-I-O-M-E. I know some people aren't a fan of it, but for me, it actually helped me because it helped me to discover what are the foods I needed to avoid. Because in functional medicine, we're taught to do this crazy elimination diet, but it can be very overwhelming for people. And sometimes it's still not personalized. And for me, I wanted it to be personalized. So when I did the test, I had to remove tomatoes and cauliflower, apples, even hemp seeds, cashews. And when I removed those foods and also gluten and dairy, because gluten and dairy, I removed those first. Actually, actually, no, I removed dairy first, but I removed those foods first and I actually had significant improvement. But then I finally removed gluten because I didn't realize until later, I was actually sensitive to gluten. And so removing all these foods really helped to reduce the bloating. But I also discovered I had SIBO. So I used some antimicrobial herbs to help clear that out, but also taking probiotics, taking things to heal the gut lining because things can really affect our gut lining. So for me, it was, yeah, the chronic stress, obviously, (laughs) for most of my life. But I also took anti-inflammatory medications because I was very active. 
as a child, different was involved in different sports or so sprains and strains. I rarely took antibiotics, maybe a handful of times, like one for wisdom tooth removal, but antibiotics can affect our microbiome and the gut lining and then birth control. Like it's not talked about, but birth control, there's even studies that show that it can contribute to leaky gut. So I had to repair the gut lining. So when it comes to healing the gut, I always tell my clients, like if you remove food, like it's not enough. Sometimes we have to put good bacteria back in. We have to support digestion with digestive enzymes. Sometimes we have to heal the gut lining. So it's a whole process in terms of healing the gut. And that's what I did. And then um, as for lowering cortisol, at the time I took adaptogens and I was doing yoga, meditation and, and deep breathing. But it was funny, uh, I before I did the yoga and deep breathing meditation, I was taking all the adaptogens. And that's when I realized like you can't supplement your way out of stress. <laughs> They're helpful. They're supplemental to doing the work. But then I doubled down and created a self-care routine for myself in the morning because I realized as soon as I remember when I woke up, I was like already on go mode and survival mode. So I created a self-care routine to prime my body to calm my nervous system down. And it took practice. But once I finally got into the routine of that, now I do my self-care routine and it sets me up for the day. I'm in a lot calmer. And if I don't do it, I feel it. So yeah, creating that self-care routine was huge, but not only in the morning, but also wind down routine at bedtime because I discovered if I didn't wind down before bedtime, it was also going to affect my sleep. And then with the coming off birth control, my hormones went crazy. So I put myself on, well, I didn't put myself, but I, I did something called food cycling because I truly believe like food is medicine and it can really help us. And so the seed cycling that I did, I ground up pumpkin and flax and I did that for the first two weeks. And then I did sesame and sunflower seeds the, the second two weeks. So yeah, you're doing it for the follicular phase and the luteal phase of your menstrual cycle. And you basically alternate every two weeks. And that actually helped to regulate my cycle because my cycle was really irregular. It was like 36 days, 30 days, it was like all over the place. And just the seeds alone really helped to regulate, but I still was having the PMS symptoms. And so I did the testing and looked at, okay, how do I support my progesterone? Because my progesterone was really, really low. It was suppressed coming off birth control. So I had to support that naturally with herbs and supplements. And then I also had to support the metabolism of my estrogen because my liver wasn't breaking it down properly. Because even though I healed my gut, I still had an issue with my liver that I needed to support with different types of supplements. So I talk about all these different things like the impact of the gut on estrogen metabolism. Yeah. How our adrenals and our hormones affect because yeah, when you're also in a stress response, you're going to have lower progesterone levels as well. So that and the birth control and then talk about, yeah, what you can do to support your hormones naturally. When say if you come off or you're even if you're not on birth control, I always start my clients on feed cycling because it's, it's so simple. You can just add it into your food and it can really help make a huge difference. And then if you need additional support, that's where the tests and the supplements come in, in, in hand. I'm glad you mentioned that because we haven't talked about seed cycling on the podcast. I'm aware of it. Many of my oh. patients have done it. But so for the listeners, are you literally buying raw seeds and you are you grind, you're grinding them like yourself? Like with a, <laughs> are you putting yeah. them in your Vitamix or like what, how do you do that? So that's a great question. Oh, I'm glad you haven't talked about it because... Seed cycling is amazing. And what I recommend is buying, yes, raw, whole seeds. Don't buy the pre-ground because when you buy them pre-ground in the store, they're already rancid. 
And you want to get all the nutrients in the seeds. So the flax and pumpkin seeds is really important in your follicular phase, the first half of your menstrual cycle to support estrogen production, but also metabolism. So it's going to have the nutrients to help support that plus all the healthy fats and protein. So how much? A tablespoon of each per day. And then what I do is I put it into the coffee grounder and then I grind them up myself. And I was doing that every day. Now, I get it. A lot of us are on the go and busy. So I'll tell my clients, even if you grind up at least for the week, that's better than just the pre-ground sitting in the store. You, you can grind it up for... So yeah, a tablespoon of each. So that'd be like seven tablespoons of flax and pumpkin for the week and then store it in your fridge. So that's better than the pre-ground, especially if you're busy and on the go. And then you would do one tablespoon of sunflower and sesame seeds for the or excuse me, luteal phase, which is the second half of your menstrual cycle and do the same thing, you know, grind it up and you can either eat them by themselves or you could throw it into a shake. You could throw it on a salad. You can throw it into your yogurt. Like you can just sprinkle it on whatever you want. And it's so easy to do. But there's also amazing companies out there that makes it even easier. And they weren't out at the time that I did the seed cycling. But one of my favorite companies is called Bea Wellness. It's B-E-E-Y-A Wellness. And they already come prepackaged. They're like not like completely ground. And thankfully, they're aware like of if it's fully ground and stored. So they actually refrigerate it, they package it and it's sure. fresh and they refrigerate it and they send it to you and it's ready to go. So all you have to do, they have it um, already packaged for you, phase one and phase two. So you don't even have to think about it. <laughs> so you can go buy the seeds on your own or you can get the Bia Wellness and then you just do a scoop per day, which makes it so easy. So sometimes I'll, I'll recommend that to my clients, especially those that are busy and on the go that don't have the time to grind the seeds themselves. Like Bia Wellness is a great... But sometimes I even use the Bio Wellness once and sometimes I still just grind them up a little bit more because when you grind them, it's easier for your digestive tract to absorb all the nutrients. So it doesn't have to work as hard to break it down because yeah, seeds have a lot of fiber that we have to break down. So I still just grind up the Bia seeds and it doesn't really take that long. You know, it's already, you know, you put the scoop in, grind it a few seconds and it's done. And just to kind of sum up the theory for the listeners. So if I heard you right, the theory is that those seeds during the follicular phase are supporting, you're saying estrogen metabolism primarily. And then during the latter half of the cycle, the luteal phase, I'm assuming supporting progesterone production. Yes, it supports the production, but also continues to support estrogen metabolism, which is important because if estrogen isn't metabolized during your follicular phase, that's when we get all the PMS problems. so. (laughs) So you're telling me I can have my Trader Joe's dark chocolate sunflower seed buttercups during my luteal phase. Yes. (laughs) I just bring this up. One of my patients dropped this off yesterday because she knows I don't consume a lot of dairy and I'm gluten-free. And it's a kind of a running joke how much here at the office, my husband's our office manager. He loves peanut butter and specifically peanut butter chocolate, you know, cups from Trader Joe's, but I don't eat a lot of them because they have dairy, many of them. So she dropped these off. They're sunflower seed buttercups, gluten, dairy, soy, peanut, tree nut, vegan. I mean, they're delicious. I just had to throw in a joke because that happened. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, I love that because you know what? That's actually a good point. You have the, I mean, I don't know how how fresh the the sunflower butter is, but good point. point. if you have sunflower butter or like even tahini, sometimes people will use that in their in their luteal phase tahini um, and then you have ground up um, yeah, ground, ground sesame, up sesame just for the seeds. exactly yeah so you can use that during your luteal phase but for me i i prefer like the fresh seeds that sure. are raw that you can grind up so that way you're you can definitely get all the nutrients from that 
But another point too, I love the chocolate because the chocolate, I actually tell my clients, like, if you want to have chocolate during the luteal phase, like you can have chocolate, just make sure it's a good quality chocolate and not a lot of sugar. Not milk, dark chocolate, dark chocolate, not milk and not a lot of sugar. Because what I realized when, even though I came off of of birth control and I heal my gut and balance my hormones, I have like the clearest skin I've ever had in my entire life after puberty. (laughs) But what I discovered is when I was eating the chocolate right before my period, I would break out and that's because of the sugar. Sugar, So I tell my clients, be mindful of the sugar. If you want to have chocolate, I recommend, yeah, you can get like evolved, for example, has a hundred percent dark chocolate and I eat it with goji berries. So it's interesting because like if I eat with goji berries, even though it's natural fruit sugars, it doesn't break me out like the processed sugars do. So just be mindful of that. Like I say, chocolate is great because it has magnesium Mm -hmm. and we actually need more minerals for our period. So magnesium and iodine, like all those um, minerals are really, really important. Iron, obviously. Um, So yeah, if you're craving chocolate, make sure it's a good quality chocolate and not a lot of sugar. That chocolate will boost serotonin to help the PMS and the goji berries. That's smart to have them preceding bleeding. That'll support the iron. So Yes. Exactly. Food is medicine. Back to food is medicine. This yep, is great. Absolutely. <laughs> well, tell us, I know you have a free masterclass. Um, so tell us our listeners about that. Yeah. So I have a free masterclass called the gut hormone nervous system connection. So we touched a little bit on it uh, today, but what I realized is that, yeah, with anxiety, we have to understand like the real causes of anxiety, what can contribute. Cause yeah, we have gut causes. We have adrenal, we have hormone, different types of hormones. We didn't even talk about thyroid, but you have the thyroid, you have, you know, all our sex hormones. And then there is also the pancreas, which is producing insulin. So we got to be careful of blood sugar regulation. So I dive into all these different aspects even deeper. Like what are the real causes of anxiety that's happening in our body that people should be aware of? So you can go watch that masterclass. It's for free. So yeah, that is my gift to you all because at the end of the day, I want everyone to be aware when it comes to anxiety or anything that we're experiencing, it's not just one thing. It's multiple things that are contributing. So what are all the things that we can do to help support our body to help us feel better? And that's why I created that masterclass. Love it. Thank you for sharing. Well, tell us where listeners can find you, hear more about you. Yeah. So you can definitely find me. I'm very active on Instagram at the Kate Vasquez. And that's Z-A-Z-Q-E-Z. It's double Z's because um, it's commonly misspelled, but that's okay. You can find me on, on Instagram at the Kate Vasquez. Also, um, you can find if Yeah. If you want to learn more information about me, you can visit my website at yourradianthealth.com. Awesome. Well, last but not least, tell us your top longevity tip. Oh, that's a great question. Well, I really, truly believe like learning about our nervous system is really going to help our longevity. Because yeah, lifestyle factors is definitely important. We need to make sure be mindful of the food that we're eating and make sure we're getting good quality sleep and doing things to help our body to adapt to stress. But if we can really tap in and learn about our nervous system and recognize what state we're in, if we are constantly in a parasympathetic or flow state, that's where we're going to have longevity because that's when our body is able to heal and maintain health. But if we're constantly in that sympathetic or survival state, that's where there's going to be imbalances in the body and it's going to set us up to create diseases and disorders. So I truly believe like the key to longevity is to help our bodies to maintain that parasympathetic flow state. And that's when we have our health. 
And that's an answer no one has provided yet. So I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for coming on the show today and really encouraging our listeners that even if they're under kind of what you were and what I am, right, from time to time, that state of chronic stress, that we really can reshape our conditioning. We can identify our triggers. We can balance our hormones. Thank you for sharing seed cycling and ultimately that we can get ourselves back into what you call that flow state. So this was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I wanted to say one more thing. The sure. biggest lesson that I learned throughout this whole journey was that I already am enough. Like yes. I don't have to keep working hard. Thanks for coming back prove, around to that. Yeah. Yeah. To prove my worth, to prove that I am good enough. And that's why it's become my mission because I want, if you're listening to this podcast and you, a lot, what I realize is like a lot of us men and women have this belief. I'm not enough. And I've even heard it from my husband, you know, on this journey. I'm like, Oh wow. I didn't realize he had that belief too a lot of us have this belief, I'm not enough. And that is what puts us in that survival state. So if you can understand these beliefs, and then start to rewire your brain and recondition your body to the point that you are enough is such a game changer. And that's what I want everyone listening to understand, like you are enough, and you can embody that. And because I of this journey of going through the anxiety, I realized I needed to go through it. I needed to go through it. I needed to experience the pain fully physically in my body, the pain of almost losing my husband, the pain of not yeah, feeling happy and satisfied in what I was doing so I can learn the tools and insights to overcome anxiety and I can be here to help others do the same. And with that, I created my program called Already Enough, which is going to help people to dive deeper into these three four pillars and then teach them how they can move out of that parasympathetic state because you are already enough. And I want everyone to believe that. Awesome. I assume that course is on your website as well then. So listeners, definitely check that out. And everyone who's listening tonight, go home and put on your mirror in your bathroom, right? Sticky note that says you are enough. That is a great way to end this episode. I believe it. I love that we focused on that. So you are enough listeners. I think that's a great way to wrap up the show. Thanks so much. Yeah, you're most welcome. Thank you. that was definitely an episode I needed to hear. I want to be in that flow state. If you're listening and you too needed to hear that, know that you are enough. I'm so serious. Write it on your mirror. Speak that positive affirmation over yourself every single day. To further connect with Kate, check out the links to her free masterclass as well as the link to her new podcast course called Already Enough that I will post in the show notes. Also, I'll post a link to the seed cycling company she mentioned. Lastly, to learn more about healing your gut to help with stress and anxiety, read chapter one of my book, Your Longevity Blueprint, where I walk readers through the gut healing protocol. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. This podcast is produced by Team Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.